I want to talk about um, James 1, 5 to 8. So we can turn there. James 1, James is near the end. It's after Hebrews. If you get to Revelation, you went too far. James 1, 5 to 8. James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given to him. And we'll just stop there. Uh, we're actually going to go all the way to 8, but I just want to park on this passage here for a second. When you take, you know, preach exegetically through, the, through scriptures as we're trying to do, you end up sometimes with two subjects in one passage. Uh, and so I'm, I just want to look at this, ask for wisdom, and then we'll move on to what is talking about having faith and, and asking in prayer. So we can glean a whole lot from this one little verse. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So when I first read this, I was like, how am I going to preach from this? This is so simple. We just read it. Look, if you need wisdom, pray for it. God's going to give it to you. Boom. Done. Um, but when I started tunneling down into this, I realized there's actually a lot here. First of all, we can talk about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. So some of you guys have, have probably heard this, but um, it takes knowledge to know that a tomato is a fruit. It takes wisdom to know not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> the difference between, you, you can know all sorts of things, right? You can be an egghead, you can have a specialty, you can know more than other people about certain things or a lot of different things. You can, you know, be somebody that would win if you are ever on Jeopardy. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're wise in your daily life. Wisdom is about knowing how to deal with stuff, how to, how to, how to lead a successful life, how to have good relationships with friends and people. Um, and the larger context of this is consider it all joy, my brethren, uh, when, you, when you encounter trials of various sorts, as uh, Matt talked about last week. So often, this is the second point, wisdom is tied to suffering. There's a connection there. We get more wise when we suffer, when we're suffering, we need wisdom. And sometimes you're in something, as Matt was talking about, you're underweight, you're, you're bearing up under it, you're, you're trying to be strong. And what you really need is some wisdom. God, what's the point of all this? God, help me to, to figure out how to, how to bear un, up under this. And the point of this is to say, God's willing to give you wisdom. And this will help you in your suffering, this will help you in your relationships. This is different than it's, I mean, it can be tied to knowledge. If you have more knowledge, then certainly the wisdom has more, you know, more to work with. Um, but wisdom is not exactly the same as knowledge. God is near to the humble. There's a, it takes a little bit of humility to say, God, I'm lacking wisdom. I mean, that's basically the same as saying, God, I'm kind of stupid. Um, it, that takes a bit of humility, right? Um, God is close. God is near to the uh, to the humble. In James 4, 6, just flipping forward a few chapters here, James 4, 6, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And a, a good key here is that if you want, if you need help, humble yourself. And God is ready to answer you when you're humble and when you're struggling and suffering sometimes that is a time when you are very aware of your your humility your needs and god is close to the humble and and, and ready to answer humility and wisdom go together 
Proverbs 11.2 talks about that, how uh, um, humility or is with the wise and wise is with humility. God gives generously and he gives to all. This is his nature. He's giving. He gives to us. He gives. He causes his son to rise on the good and on the evil. He gives good gifts to all people. And he gives without reproach. And this is a verse... Uh, the commentators are kind of confused about this whole no, no reproach thing. Um, the word reproach, we know what that means. It's like giving somebody a verbal lashing or, or, or making them feel bad. Or, or chastising them in some way. So he gives without chastising, which is kind of strange. And there's different ways of, of looking at that. The, the way that most people see it as is that God gives with no strings attached. As I talked about when I, in the sermon on giving, the gift of God is always free. There's no strings attached. There's no, I'll give you this, but you know, you better give me something back in return. God gives freely and generously. I think also when you look at the context and just the idea of being humble, asking God for wisdom, there's no stupid questions with God. You know, there's some people that are insecure, that need to prove something, and maybe you've had bosses like this or you're getting trained for something, and you just hate to ask them for information because they just make you feel stupid and they got something to prove. And God doesn't do that. When we ask for wisdom, there's no reproof. There's no, um, God gives without, he gives generously, um, without reproach. The second thing I want to mention about this verse before we go on to the next section is that this is one of the things in the Bible where we're promised God will always say yes. And so it's kind of special and precious in that way. God has promised, if you ask for wisdom, I will say yes. I will give you wisdom. That's kind of cool. Um, I, makes me think right away of another time that God said that is in Matthew 7.11. So maybe we can turn there. Matthew 7.11. I'll probably never forget that again because we just drive to the 7.11 and get the Holy Spirit. Which isn't actually true, but it's a mental... I shouldn't have said that, but... Um, I have a very bad memory for numbers, and so that's actually going to help me. Um, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? So he's saying, like, if your kids ask you for stuff, you're going to give them good stuff. You're not going to give them rocks and snakes. I mean, come on. Um, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask them? And I meant to quote in Luke. <laughs> the same passage is mentioned in Luke, and specifically it's mentioned what will be given is the Holy Spirit. God gives the Holy Spirit when we ask of Him. Um, we, were, we were created to be in communion with God. We were created to have the Holy Spirit in us. We were created to, created to be in right fellowship with Him. And when we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, He will give it to us. He will give it to us. And when we ask for wisdom, He will give it to us. For all the other things we ask, God says, He always answers. Sometimes He says yes, sometimes He says no, sometimes He says later. God, I want a new car. Maybe. Actually, you know what? God gave me, I'm going to praise God, He gave me a new car this past week. 
and it was really cool how, how that all worked out. Um, but other things that we might ask, yes, no, maybe as a parent, you know, God sees our needs. He knows more than us what we really need. Uh, and He will give us what, what is best for us, not always what we desire. Um, and in James 4, 2 to 3, it talks about sometimes we ask for things with bad motives. We just want to use them for our personal gratification, not for the glory of God or for the good of other people, or even for our own good. And God in His mercy sometimes says no. But for wisdom and for the Holy Spirit, He always says yes. God says, there's never a time I could foresee when more wisdom would not be the answer to this situation. Um, or more of my Holy Spirit. So ask for wisdom. Ask often. Ask for your kids to have wisdom. Ask for your pastor to have wisdom. Ask for me to have wisdom as I preach. Let's move on now to the next section. I'll read verse 5 again. If any of you lacks wisdom, let, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So that's kind of harsh. Somebody that lacks faith is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, that should not expect he will receive anything from the Lord. Whew! Okay. Um, This, as with some parts of James, James can be a little bit intense and a little bit negative. And um, we need that sometimes. Uh, Later on, we're going to get to the passage that says, um, weep and mourn for your sins. Uh, Let your laughter be turned to sadness and and your uh, gladness to deep sorrow, something like that in in James 4. And we need that sometimes. And this is a strong word on how not to pray. And... um, I worked hard to turn this into a positive, and so there's, there's going to be negatives. Don't do this, but do this. And so we're going to try and end it on a, on a positive note. Um, but this is kind of a negative word. Lacking faith is a bad thing. I also want to tie this, because it's talking about prayer, I don't think we can adequately look at this without also looking at what, what Jesus says about prayer, because Jesus is, is the center, he's the rock, and he's the one that gave us um, the most information about prayer. So Matthew 6, 7 to 8. Matthew 6, 7 to 8. And of course, as I started studying this, it became, you know, all the principles from the Lord's Prayer. And then it became 5.7.8 point sermon. I had to turn it back. I'm just going to grab one thing from Matthew 6, 7 to 8. Uh, the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. And he says, uh, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees in secret will, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need uh, before you ask him. And so pray like this. And then he goes into the Lord's Prayer that we're very familiar with. But basically what Jesus is saying is, Daddy. He starts with Abba, Father, very intimate phrase for for God, for Father. I love you. May your name be glorified. Hey, I need some stuff. I need bread. I need to put food on the table for my family. Please forgive me for my sins. Please keep me safe. Amen. Basic prayer from the heart is what Jesus is talking about. And it's not wrong. I mean, it says here, do not heap up empty repetitions as the Gentiles do. It's not wrong to memorize this and pray it just like that and to recite it as we do, as long as it's not an empty repetition. 
as long as we are engaged in it and thinking about it and not thinking that somehow the syllables from our mouth vibrating the atmosphere will create magical you know, power or something. God doesn't care about what we say. He cares about our heart and he sees our heart. And so um, the, the big idea here is we get such a religious mentality sometimes about prayer. And, and Jesus said, don't be like the Gentiles or, or like those people out there that pray and, and that think that the more, and we do this, I do this all the time. You know, I really want something. So I've got, in, in my mind, I'm like, oh God, please, oh please, oh please, oh please. Oh Lord, I just really want this. I want it. And we do this repetitive sort of, uh, or else we get these formulas in our mind, you know, uh, build a hedge of protection and for your name's sake. And, for, and none of these things are bad. They're often scriptures, you know. But God doesn't hear us because we've memorized all these great phrases. And God doesn't hear us because we repeat them. Sometimes we repeat them because we want to pray for like five minutes on this and we don't know what else to say other than to say the same thing over and over. And that's fine too. I mean, the point is not, here's the box, you have to do it this way. But the point is, God sees our heart. It's not about repetition. It's not about religious formulae. It's not about um, having everything memorized and doing it just so. The big idea is, go into an inner room. Remove other people from the situation. Maybe that would help. And just... Talk to your daddy about what you need. And your father, who sees what is in secret, will reward you openly. He knows what you need, and he's going to give it to you. Um, so the big idea is not meaningless repetitions, but sincerity. And liturgies can be sincere. In fact, they're often very helpful for uh, bringing out the sincerity in us. And lack of liturgies can be very insincere too, can't they? When we need to pray and uh, we don't have any sort of liturgy for, you know, meal times, And so it's like, oh, time to pray. Oh, God, please bless this food and uh, bless us and, and give us a good day. Amen. Guilty. So uh, let, let's remember that not, the lack of liturgies can also be quite uh, empty. So let's come back to this passage again, though. The big idea I wanted to get from Jesus is we're just kids talking to our dad, okay? This is the big idea. It's not complicated. It's not religious. If you're new to the faith, it's not as though you need to take a course in prayer. So often new Christians, they, they pray and then they're like, how was that? Like, you did good. <laughs> like, there, there's no... There's no um, and sometimes when we memorize all these verses and we quote all these verses in our prayers, we create this standard that intimidates new Christians, which is unfortunate. Um, but it's just talking to our dad. Um, if any of you... Okay. But let him ask in faith, not doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So we have this idea of faith and doubt. And lacking faith is really strongly spoken against here. God is really bugged by people that lack faith. In fact, uh, faith is, faithlessness is seen as a sin. In Mark 9, 19-23, um, I wrote in my notes that Jesus got angry here, and I reread the passage, and it doesn't actually literally say that Jesus got angry, so it's just me reading into it. But it seems as though... Man, this is a tiny Bible. Mark 9... I forgot my Bible, so 
the first service, I grabbed one from back there and it had the apocrypha in it, and so I was like all lost. And so now I borrowed one and it's like, oh, I feel old. Uh, so Mark 9, 19-23 is the passage where Jesus comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration and um, some people meet him because somebody came to the disciples to have their son um, healed, actually to have a spirit cast out of him. And the disciples were not able to do it. Normally they could, they could do it because Jesus had given them authority, but in this case they couldn't do it. And Jesus says, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to bear with you? Bring him to me. So, okay, I'm not just reading into it. Jesus sounds kind of upset. And then they bring him to Jesus, and, and he asks, how long has this been? They go back and forth about the situation. And then the father says, but if you can do anything, please have compassion on us. And Jesus says, if I can do anything, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then seeing the crowd coming, Jesus heals the boy. I always thought that was interesting. Jesus seeing the crowd coming heals the boy. It's almost like he wasn't going to heal him, except that he sees the crowd coming, he wants to demonstrate that he is the Son of God, so he heals him. But he was not impressed with his father that said, if you are willing, or if you are able. And this is a verse that we often quote because he says, right away he, the father says, I believe, help my unbelief, which is very, I mean, I'm there, you know. God, I, I lack faith very often. Why is faithlessness offensive to God? I think very often, uh, when we, in our discussion of faith, our, our vision gets moved from God to us. And that's where the issue is. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go move, you know, jump into the sea, and it will listen to you. You can do anything, you could do anything if you just had a tiny little bit of faith. And I've heard people in sermons talk about, you need to have mustard seed faith. You need to have faith as big as a mustard seed. And I'm like, I don't think that's really the point. I mean, if, if you want to say you need to have big faith, he would have said, if you have a mountain of faith, you know, you can move a mustard seed. He kind of did the opposite. The point is, how big your faith is, is not, you know, how, how emotional you feel or how, oh God, I just, I believe. This is not the, the point. The point is, our God is big. Our God can do amazing things. In fact, often He answers our prayers and we didn't even think to pray for anything. Or else we pray and, and God answers and we're like, wow, I like, hardly got out of my mouth. And, and the answer is there. And sometimes He doesn't in His wisdom answer us. Um, but why is faithlessness offensive to God? If you can just imagine, you know, a great king on His throne, like maybe Caesar, ruling the whole known world and for some reason you have an audience with Caesar and you come in and you say look the Gauls have been attacking and you know our, our village has, keeps getting ransacked and uh, you know I hate to take your time but if you're able do you think maybe you could help us out that little phrase taked on at the end if you are able might be a little bit of a problem <laughs> if you're talking to you know the great Caesar of all the world or, you know, the, the President of the United States, you know, if you were able, maybe you could like help us out here. Whether I want to or not, whether it's the right thing in this situation, but am I able? Excuse me? Do you know who, I'm ta who you're talking with? Do you doubt that I am able to move in this situation? And, and honestly, sometimes we do doubt 
whether God is able to move in our situations. We ought to have faith. Not in ourselves, not in our, not in our faith. Our faith is inert. It does nothing. But in who our faith connects to, we have faith in God that He can do all things and that He is good. Two more points here is that the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Um, that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is a verse, uh, as I mentioned to, Jay, to uh, Matt, um, has a history with me. I'm not going to go into the whole thing here um, in front of everybody and recording it and putting it online and everybody. Um, but I was really struggling with a certain sin uh, in my childhood, in my teens, and I was praying with different people and, and really asking for accountability and different things to come in and, and help me out. And I called up one of my pastors. It was kind of the first time I had I really asked him for accountability and confessed, look, I, I messed up again in this, in this way. And uh, he listened to that for a little bit, and it was kind of this awkward silence on the phone. And then he just dropped the bomb on me. And he was like, I don't think that you're really sincere about wanting to repent of this sin. I think you want this sin, and you also want the blessings of God. And I honestly question whether you actually want to be a Christian or not. Do you want to be a Christian or not? And he said all these sorts of things that like, I would never in my life say to somebody else, but they were absolutely true. Because I wanted this sin, and I also wanted God. And so I was trying to juggle both. And he was saying, look, make up your mind. What do you really want? If you really want freedom, you can pray right now. God will give you freedom. But if you have a double-minded heart about this and you really want sin, but you're trying to pursue God, that's just offensive to God and not helpful to you. Hung up the phone, knelt down on the floor and wept my eyes out. And it was the beginning of a new chapter for me. And um, we named our second son... Uh, his middle name is Ivan um, because Ivan Raymer had that conversation with me and then had a hundred other conversations completely filled with love and support to get me out of that mess that I was in. Um, we need to question, see it must be so frustrating for God because he hears our prayers, what we're literally saying out of our mouth, but he also sees our heart. Do you ever get that impression like the, the words are saying one thing, but the body language is saying something else? And you're like, which one do I listen to? You know, somebody's like, oh, I'm so glad to be here. And, and they're, they're just like, yeah, it's so nice to be here. And their, their physical language is, I just wish I was anywhere else, you know. And, and God hears our words, of course, but he also sees our hearts. And when we're saying, God, free me from this sin. And yet, secretly, we're like, not quite yet, though. Not yet. And the last point I get from this, and again, I'm, I think this is from this passage. It might be reading into the passage. I want to make it really clear when it's, it's my interpretation or it's what the, the passage is clearly saying. I think sometimes our prayers are just plain too vague. We're like, God, could you just bless us? Could you do something good for us? And, and, and please heal this person if it's your will, if maybe it's, it would be a good thing. And, you know, like whatever you want, it's cool. Like, and, uh, amen. I think sometimes God would just wish that we were just clear if you know kids sometimes or just like a kid that just comes to his dad and says look i need this can i please have it 
Um, sometimes we, we just, as I mentioned before, it was an illustration meant for here, sometimes we have a religious space in our lives, whether it's before mealtime, before bedtime, uh, during a church service, and, and we need to fill this religious space with a prayer. And so we just pray something vague and spiritual for the purpose of everybody else. And it's not really a prayer from the heart. And Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, when we approach God's throne, let our words be few, but they should be sincere. So all that to say, and it's kind of a negative passage and it's kind of a negative sermon, but it's not meant to be. It's an invitation. And here's, here's my, my four words for us. Sincerity. Sincerity. Just pray from your heart and God hears you. Simplicity. Don't have to be complicated. Don't have to memorize things. Don't have to make it like print worthy or Facebook worthy or whatever. Just sincere. What you really want. What you really feel. Faith. Sincerity, simplicity, and faith. And clarity. Just go to your dad and ask him for what you want. That's what prayer is. It's not complicated. It's not hard. So let's do it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that um, you love us. And you love us a lot. And I thank you, Lord, that, um, that we can all be here. And we have freedom and we have peace. And I thank you that we get to invite uh, some more families into the peace and the safety of our country. And I just pray that you would make that happen soon. And I pray that you would break down the walls that, that are keeping them there, whether they're political or, or social or financial. I don't know what the walls are, but break them down. We want these people to be here so that they're safe and so that they're, um, they can worship in freedom as we are. And I just pray that you would break down the religious walls in us, Lord, that keep us bound, that keep us scared, that make us feel like this thing of praying to you is so complicated. I just pray, Jesus, that you would make it simple for us so that all of us can do it. And I pray that you would uh, hear us as we pray this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.